You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hello, this is Lee Fuller, and you're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast. I am so glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Um, And this year, I want to talk today, I want to talk about how to read the Bible and kind of how to study the Bible. I want to give an overview of the Bible because many people this year are starting reading plans or they've committed to read through the Bible this year. And it really helps if you have an overview or a structure so that you don't get lost and fall along the wayside, right? Um, So today we are, that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm going to give you an overview of scripture, why it's important to read it and um, to help set expectations as you're reading through the Bible so you don't get lost, right? How many times have um, have we started to read the Bible and along the way, <clears throat> along the way, we got lost. Along the way, hey, I don't understand what's reading. I don't understand the flow. I don't understand the organization of the Bible. So you kind of get lost. And this year, you know, you will not have that excuse. <laughs> this year, you will understand the structure of the Bible. Uh, And in this podcast, we'll go over the structure of the Bible, what you should expect in various sections of the Bible so that you can get the most out of your time in God's word this year. Okay, that sound like a plan? Sound like a plan, Lee? Outstanding. (laughs) I'm sitting here talking to myself um, and I'm talking to you. Hopefully you're listening. If you... Enjoy this type of content, this Bible-related content, uh, and have not subscribed to the podcast, uh, I'm going to give you a few seconds now to do it. Okay, if if you didn't, weren't able to complete it in those few seconds, <laughs> you can do it uh, after, after the show. Um, but I would like for you to subscribe because this year we have some amazing guests coming up. Uh, We have some interesting topics that we're already developing. I'm working with my team to make sure that we have some pretty good topics for you guys this year. And uh, I want you to go along with the journey as we see how to engage the Bible in real life. Okay, so um, me and my wife were having a conversation and the conversation was like, hey, babe, what are you doing this year? Right? How are you going to process through the Bible, or what? What are you doing this year? For the last couple years, um, I've been doing. So I've read through the Bible before, but so this year I said, "Aha! Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through the Bible in another translation." Right? Because hey, I am. uh, I grew up King James. Okay, there's only one Bible. There's only one authorized version, right? It was the King James. So I read through the Bible the whole time through the King James. And if I have to admit that it's sometime it's some tough sledding, right? It's some tough reading. But um, last year, I read through the Bible in the ESV, the English Standard. No, yeah, the English Standard Version. Um, And that was a lot easier, man. I said, all this is in the Bible? (laughs) How did I miss this, right? 
Uh, so I said, this year I'm going to go through the Bible again. Um, um, but I wanted to try another version. But then I found this little app and I want to put you on to, well, here's what I'm doing. If you care to know, there is, it's called the Daily Audio Bible. And I'm going through the, their chronological plan. But one of the things that I like about this one is each week they read from a different version, right? So um, I think, so we've gone through one week, it was the uh, NIV. One week, it was, I think, the CSB. I think this week is the New Living Translation. So I'm kind of accomplishing two things at one time. This program that I'm going through, this is something that they're doing. And I felt it was a, um, I felt it was very helpful. Again, that's the daily audio Bible. That's the one I'm going through this year. Um, I like it because I like the prayer requests at the end. It's really an engaging conversation, engaging community. Um, if you are more of a, um, hey, I want to have more scholarly commentary, then last year I went through the Bible recap uh, with Terry, Tara Lee Cobble. Um, Terry Lee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I heard the name every, I know it's Terry Lee Cobble, I think it is. But uh, Bible recap, that was another one that we went through. And her commentary is a little more scholarly, very good commentary. And um, that was one way to go through the Bible with the community. You felt like, hey, I'm reading it with someone. And actually, me and my wife went through uh, that one together where we'll, we'll talk about various topics like, hey, did you see what happened? Did you read that in Job? Man, that was crazy in First Kings, right? So you get to uh, just go through the Bible chronologically. So um, with that said, I know a lot of you are reading the Bible and picking up Bible plans, but I want to give you an overview kind of of the Bible in this podcast, right? So first thing you need to realize is the Bible tells us to read the Bible. <laughs> the Bible tells us that we should be reading the Bible. So uh, if you're not reading the Bible, uh, let's let's see what the what the Bible tells us about reading the Bible. So God told the Israelites here. Let me pull it up here in Deuteronomy chapter six. God tells the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six. And he says, these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall read. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, right? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. <clears throat> so here, um, the Israelites were told that, hey, you need to be in the law, in the uh, word of God, and you should teach them to your children. One thing that I believe is very important, and I was talking to uh, one of the people in the ministry the other day, and we talked about how um, if if one or two generations miss that passing on God's word to the next generation, then we see that the chain has been broken, right? And a lot of times, lessons that we learn, biblical instruction that we learn from our parents and grandparents, Somehow along the way, 
we stop passing them along. And we got to make sure that we do, as the Bible instructs, to teach our children what the Bible says. Teach them the instruction and the word of the Lord. Okay, let me let me calm down. But we we have to do that, right? The Bible commands the children of Israel, hey, read the word and pass it to your children. You should be able to talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, but a lot of us aren't able to articulate the word of God or what the Bible says for the mere fact that we haven't read it. Now, before, before I jump too hard on you, I, I understand why, because when I first started reading the Bible, Hey, I picked it up like a book. Okay. What do you do with a book? You start at the beginning and you just start reading. And when I started reading, I say, wait a minute, this, okay. So what happened here? And this seems to be um, kind of weird. And okay, what does this have to do with this book that I just read in front of it? And what's going on? Oh my goodness, I'm confused, right? So uh, today I'm going to help clear up some of the confusion. The Bible commands us that we should be reading God's word. You know, Joshua tells us um, to meditate on God's word day and night that you may have great success, right? We see in Psalms, uh, David tells us, meditate on God's law day and night, right? Jesus even said that in John 15, that we are to abide in his word, right? We're supposed to stay in it. We're supposed to be in there sucking up all the nutrients. Come on, getting the meat of the gospel, they say in the epistles, right? Well, how do we do that? Lee, can you give me some organization or some structure so I can understand and approach the Bible in a way that'll help me understand it. And yes, that's what this episode is about. So uh, the first thing, I w- the first area or the first frame that I want to put on it is the Bible. If I were to ask you, what is the Bible, right? Many people say God's word, which is true, but the Bible is a story about God and what he's done, Okay. The Bible is a story about God. It's where we go to learn about him. First of all, the God has revealed himself to mankind through his word. So too many times we approach the Bible to find out, okay, uh, let me, I, I have an issue. Let me go to the Bible and find out more about my issue. Or I got an issue, Lord, I'm reading the Bible for you to tell me about me, right? The Bible is a story about God and you get to see his plan throughout eternity. Because the more we know about God, the more we'll understand what is actually happening in the world. Because God is controlling this whole world. So uh, God has revealed in in the Bible, in his word, the story of humanity, right? It makes sense, right? It starts with at the beginning. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He's starting like, hey, I'm telling you that um, I'm gonna explain to you me. So the first thing I did at the beginning was I created the world, right? Oh, so it's not, if your approach to the Bible and this will help you understand more of God's word, If you approach the Bible saying, Lord, what did I learn about you today? 
what can I see about you in this context or in this story or in this passage that will open up your understanding and you will be able to see the Bible in a whole new light. So first point, story. You need to look at the Bible as the story about God and what he is doing and what he has done and how he engages with people. And that'll unlock it. So um, when you look into the Bible, you'll see that there are what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. That word testament means promise or covenant. Okay. So there are the old promises or the old covenant, right? And that Old Testament has 39 books, Genesis through Malachi, right? And then there is the new covenant, right? Where the new promises, okay? Oh, so Old Testament, New Testament, there's really, um, there's an old promise and a new promise. Yes. So we have to, when we read it, understanding, okay, am I reading about the old promise or am I reading about the new promise? And um, you will see in scripture that some things from the old promise are expanded upon and um, and upgraded in the new promises or the New Testament. And some were a part of the Old Testament or Old Covenant and they just went away. Uh-oh. And they just went away. So here is, um, so Old Testament, New Testament. <laughs> Come on now. Old Testament, New Testament. Let me toss that out real quick. Okay. Uh, so that'll help us understand the organization, the old promises versus the new, not verses, but uh, is upgraded with the new promises in the New Testament. So that gives you some structure. So the story of God's new promises and story of God's old promises. Secondly, let's look at this structure. Now, <clears throat> the Bible is a collection of books. So rather than thinking of the Bible as one book, think of it more as a library, okay? So I wanna share this chart with you um, and we'll briefly talk through this chart just a little bit, okay? So I want you to think of the Old Testament or the Bible as a library of 66 smaller books. Okay, there's 66 smaller books that are broken out into different categories or genres. All right, let's talk through some of this. So the books of the Bible, Old Testament or Old Covenant, Old Promises, and the New Testament, New Covenant, New Promises, right? So there's that first separation to help us understand the structure. Now, in the Old Testament, there is the law, um, history, wisdom, and prophets, okay? The law books, the history books, the wisdom books, and the prophets, right? So let me break that down a little bit to you. If you understand the genre of the books, it'll help you understand. So remember, this is our library. So when you're in the library, in the Bible library, there's some law books, right? So in, in the law, 
So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, these are considered the law books. And you'll find in these books, covenants, legal agreements, statutory laws, and statutory rules. You'll find um, the censoring, the censors of the people. You'll see numbers where they're counting people. These are legal documents of the covenant, right? When you understand that, it it helps you. It helps you understand some things. So for instance, I am not a lawyer. I am not a lawyer. I am not a lawyer, right? But in college, I had to take business law, right? So business major. I had to take business law and reading contracts, reading, um, even now, <laughs> even now, the terms and conditions, like when they download an app or something, um, I don't read the term and conditions. I probably should, right? Hey, I just bought a new phone. Yeah, they say, hey, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, 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 where do I sign? It's not like I'm not going to leave with the phone, right? So you sign it. There's that legalese, okay? In the law, in the first five books of the Bible, you see the contracts that God is creating. We see in Genesis the contract that God makes with Noah. We see the covenant or the promise or the contract that God makes with Abraham, okay? So you see the, um, in Exodus, you see God's people being brought out of Egypt. And then you see in Leviticus, right? Here are the contract. Hey, if you're God's people, hey, hey, um, I, I call Leviticus kind of like a constitution, right? Okay, people of God or Hebrews, you don't do this. You don't eat this. You don't wear this. If you get sick, this is how you do it. If you blah, 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 it's a contract. It's very legal. It's, um, hey, if you are, here's the land that you get. Here's your legal document for what land you get. Here's the legal document for how you should dress, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if you read it like that and you're like, oh my goodness, this is getting so... I'm not as enthusiastic about this. Understand you're reading legal documents, right? So if you normally don't like to read terms and conditions, if you normally, how many here has ever read the constitution of the United States? Exactly, right? I know kind of a summary of them, right? But I haven't actually read the document and all X amount of articles and amendments, right? Okay, same here. Most people get get lost in Leviticus. They get lost in numbers because we're not interested in reading a constitution, many people, right? But if you understand what you're reading going into it, it won't be, oh man, you know, where's the stories? Where's this? You're, you're reading legal documents. You're reading about covenants. You're reading about the constitution. You're reading, does that make sense? You're reading legal documents. So that should help you when you're going through. Okay, no wonder I don't see, you know, these these stories or whatever. It seems kind of dry because it's legal contracts, okay? But it's a part of the Bible because they are important, right? When he's establishing his covenant with the nation of Israel, you have to have a constitution. And in the law, he goes through that constitution. All right, so hopefully that helps. And then... After the law, 
right? Genesis to Deuteronomy. There's the histor historical books, right? We call them the history books. Now, in the history books, these are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Listen, these here, the history books, this is our action and adventure series, right? Because now it's telling the story. It's telling the history. Hey, this happened. Hey, this giant came and attacked them. Hey, they had to go conquer this land, right? So if you enjoyed history in class, in school, learning about the stories of the American Revolution or the French Revolution and, and all this stuff, you will enjoy the history books, but it makes sense now. You're seeing how God is interacting with the nation of Israel throughout history. So it talks about the battles that they are fighting. It's talking about how they selected the king. It talked about the overthrowing of certain kings, right? Hopefully it's starting making sense. If you understand the genre you're reading, you're reading historical, um, you're reading the history of a nation, then you start to see, oh, okay, here is what I can expect from this. I can expect the who, what, when, where, dates and times. I can expect, here's the event that happened. I can expect a sense of chronology. chronology. <laughs> there it is. A sense of chronology. Hey, this happened. And then there was Samuel. And then there was Saul. And then there was David. And then there was Solomon, right? The rise of the kingdom. Uh, of the United Kingdom, all these are in the history of the nation of Israel and how God is engaging with this nation, right? This nation that he established and gave the constitution to in the law, he is uh, outlining their historical acts, right? Judges and how they operated before there was a king, right? So now you start to get an understanding, here's what I should expect. As I'm reading this, I should read a summary in first, second Kings and first, second Chronicles. They're listing the kings <laughs> of Israel. And here's what happened under King, this King. And here's what happened under this King and under this King. Okay. So now as you're reading the Bible, understand that you're in the sec, you're in the history section of the library. You're in the history section of the Bible. So now chronology makes sense. Okay. So the next ver the next category is wisdom literature. The wisdom literature, this is the poetic books, right? So this is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, right? So um, in these books, what should you expect to read from poetry books? And poetry books, you or the wisdom books, you should expect to hear wise sayings and little proverbs, and hey, here is how to live. Hey, here's what you should do. Here is how you interact with your wife, or here is how you do a business deal. He's teaching the wisdom of life. He's showing how to, um, you know, these little, sometimes you'll read where, hey, the ancient proverb says, if you want to go uh, if you want to go a mile, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with somebody else, something like that, right? It's a little African proverb, a little wise saying, a little wisdom from Africa. Then there's, you know, Irish proverbs, that type of stuff. Well, in the wisdom literature, you start to see, 
hey, these are wise proverbs that the king is telling to the people, right? Solomon wrote many of them. David wrote some of the Psalms, which is showing, hey, this is my interaction with God. So this is poetry. This is wisdom. So it's some figurative language. So be careful in your interpretation, right? Understand that you're dealing with some figurative language. Hey, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, um, you're not supposed to set the Bible on fire so that you have lamps and light. It's figurative. It's poetic language. Does that make sense? So when you're reading this understanding so you can look at the beauty of it and say, okay, this is poetry. This is Hebrew poetry. I get it. There's symmetry. There is figurative language. There are stories. I mean, there is, um, there's not very many stories. Um, Job is kind of a, Job is interesting because it's a, it's kind of like a poem. It's like an epic poem, right? Where there is a plot to the story, but it's told in in prose or is told in poetry. It's kind of like a, a musical, right? <laughs> um, you know how a musical, there's a storyline, but it's like, why do they keep going and singing? Why do they keep singing and talking all this, right? Why do they break into a song? Well, it's very similar. Like there's this storyline in Job, but then people, will, they kind of break out into this poetic prose, right? I want you to understand the context or the genre in which you're reading so that you understand, okay, these 66 books in the Bible, they're different genres, so they won't read the same, right? It's it's kind of unusual because usually if I pick up a if I pick up a regular book, in the book, there's not legal um section and then a poetry section, and then a a autobiographical section and a history section and a prophetic section, right? <laughs> uh, but in the Bible, there's these 66 smaller books that make up this library. And now you can understand how God is dealing with people. Now, the beauty of it is, I said at the beginning, point one, that this is the story of God. So God is sharing his story through through the contracts. He's sharing his story through the history. He's showing how he interacts with people, you know? So we see the logical attributes of God. We see the emotional side of God in the wisdom books and the Psalms. We see how God is moving throughout history, through the history books and how he's raising nations and, and bringing down nations. So when you zoom out and say, wow, this is the story of God displayed over the various genres that's in the Bible. You start to see, wow, this is really an amazing book. Now, after the Psalms, we have the, um, after the wisdom books, right? Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Now we have the prophets, okay? Now, what would you expect from the prophets, right? Exactly. From the prophets, you would, you would expect these or, orations, right? Hey, here is the word of the Lord. And in the prophetic books, that's what you see. You see the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The word of the Lord came to so-and-so. And they spoke what God was telling the people. Many times they told God was telling the people, whether it's the message of hope, 
whether it's a message of correction, whether it's a message of you guys need to repent. And sometimes the prophets will tell, hey, here's what's going to happen in the future. Hey, I know things are rough right now, but in the future, there is going to be the second coming of God, etc. So, but that's what you should expect in the prophetic books, right? Yes, there's some figurative language because sometimes when talking it about the future, there is imagery more so than, than concrete language, right? So uh, hopefully this is helping you understand, oh, so when I approach the Bible, understand that there are 66 books that make up this collection or library we call the Bible, right? The word Bible, uh, Biblia means books, right? So uh, the Bible is this collection of books and inside there's the law books, there's the history books, there's the wisdom book, there's the prophetic books where they're telling about what's going on. They're telling about what's gonna happen in the future. And many times, and sometimes they tell about what's gonna happen in the distant future. Right. So prophecy is this idea of, hey, let me tell you what the Lord is saying right now. Right. And sometimes he says, hey, here's what the Lord is saying is going to happen in the future. Right. So when you're reading the prophetic books, oh, you get a better understanding of how God was dealing with the nation of Israel, correcting them of their sin and preparing them for their future glory. Right. So now. That's the Old Testament. So that's the old promises. That's the old covenant. And then God goes silent for 400 years, right? Between the old promise and the new promise, between the old covenant and the new covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. And then we open up with the Gospels. The story of Christ, the story of Jesus Christ, right? This is the introduction to the new covenant. You know, it's interesting when you read the Bible, Jesus would say something like, <clears throat> you have heard it said unto you, right? And then he'll say, but I say unto you, why? What is he doing? He's pointing back, hey, here's what you heard in the old covenant. But I say unto you, ba 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 ba. right? He's introducing the new covenant. He's telling you, here are the rules of the new covenant, right? Jesus said, I came not to demolish the law, but to fulfill it. So he completed all that the old covenant um, promised. And then he built upon it and said, hey, here is what the new covenant will be like. So we hear um, <clears throat> Jesus' teachings of what the new covenant is, right? Now Jesus says love, uh, in the Old Testament, it says, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as yourself, right? Now Jesus pulls that over and said, this is what I want you to do in the new covenant too. So as he's establishing the new covenant, he uh, we see in the gospels the aspects of the old covenant that he brought into the new covenant. But there were some things God left in the old covenant. We see some of the dietary laws that God left in the old covenant, right? Uh, we see some of the sacrifices that God left 
in the old covenant. The Bible says in Hebrews, Jesus was the final sacrifice. That's why now we are not still on Sunday morning. We're not sacrificing, sacrificing sheep and goats, sheep and goats. Why? Because Jesus said he was the final sacrifice once and for all. Right. So uh, he had established a new covenant. You know, when we do communion, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do in remembrance of me. Hey, we're not doing the Passover anymore. That was old covenant. Now we're doing communion, right? It's a beautiful study. One day I'll get into it on the podcast, talking about how the old covenant and the new covenant, some of the differences and some of the things that have been upgraded. Amen. Um, so let's look at the organization of the New Testament. So we have the, the Gospels, which tell the story of Jesus from four different perspectives, right? I love that. He tells it from four different perspectives. So if you're a Gentile, he tells it. So if you're a Gentile or non-Jew, he tells it from the non-Jewish perspective. If you are a Jew, he tells it, the story of Jesus from the Jew. Matthew tells it from the Jewish perspective. If you're a Gentile, Mark tells it from the Gentile perspective. If you like more details and you're more analytical, Luke, Luke tells it from the detailed analytical perspective. If you're more emotional and a right brain, right, or left brain, whatever, um, then John tells it from that perspective. So we give all these four perspectives of who Jesus is because he's the main character of the New Testament, right? Because he's establishing this new covenant. The new covenant starts with Jesus, okay? Next, we see another history book, right? So we see this history book, the book of Acts. It's church history. It's telling, hey, and here is how the church began to grow, okay? So this is the structure of the New Testament. Um, in the New Testament, uh, so you know how in the Old Testament, the historical books, we're talking about the kings and the prophets, etc. The New Testament, the historical books follow the lives of the apostles and the deacons and the church members, right? So this New Testament history, the book of Acts, follows the life of the apostles, Peter, Paul, and some of the deacons, right? Uh, the church leaders. Next, we see um, the epistles. So when you're reading the New Testament, there's this Paul's letters, and you have the general letters, right? Letters are, are called epistles. So as these, as these churches are being established, as this new covenant, as these New Testament churches are being established, Paul has to give some instruction, right? Because now there's Gentiles and Jews. So we got to understand here is how everybody has to adapt to this new covenant, right? Isn't this familiar? In the Old Testament, there was the law telling about the Testaments. Um, then there was the history, right? And then there was instruction um, from the prophets. New Testament, hey, we have Jesus giving the gospel. We have the history. And then we have these epistles. And then in Revelations, we have prophecy, right? So these two covenants really mirror each other. And hopefully you're understanding the blessing and the benefit of both. But Paul's epistles, 
and then the general epistles. So Paul established multiple churches. Okay. So think about, so here is how you know who it was written to. You ready? Now, there was a church in Rome. When Paul wrote the letter to the church in Rome, he called the name of that letter Romans. <laughs> there was a church in Corinth. So he wrote two letters that are recorded in scripture. He wrote more than two letters, but two of them are preserved for us. First uh, Corinthians and second Corinthians, right? So Paul wrote um, to the churches that are in, in Galatia. That letter is called Galatians, right? Paul wrote to the church that he built in Ephesus. That church, that letter is called Ephesians. Okay, you see what's going on? So these letters, now that it's not just Jews that are in the church anymore. So now the letters are sent to churches that are in various areas, right? In Philippi, that letter to the, the people of Philippi were called Philippians. The church in Colossae, that letter is called Colossians. The churches in Thessalonica, that letter is called First and Second Thessalonians, right? And then Paul wrote to some important people. Paul wrote to a guy named Timothy. That letter is called, he wrote, to, wrote a couple letters. That letter is called First and Second Timothy, right? He wrote to a pastor named Titus. That letter is called Titus. He wrote to a believer by the name of Philemon or Philemon, right? Depending on what age of church history you grew up in, right? When I was in vacation Bible school, it was Philemon, right? And now I hear Philemon, I hear all kinds of stuff. I don't know. But um, so that letter was to Philemon. So the letters that Paul wrote, okay? So if you look at them like a letter, they start to make sense. Because in the beginning, there's a salutation, right? He gives a little bit of doctrine and he teaches. Then at the end, and he's like, hey, sincerely, you know, from Paul or from, you know, this other person that's writing for me, right? And he'll say, the brothers salute you. So these actually read like letters, a salutation, a body and a close, all of them. This is so amazing. But now you know what to expect. The general letters. Now, these letters are written to uh, the church, right? To the Hebrews, right? Um, to James. Well, well, not to James. James is the author of a letter that he wrote to all the churches. Um, John, Peter wrote letters to all the churches. John wrote letters. Jude wrote letters, right? So when you look at these and start seeing, okay, if I read them like a letter, now I understand that, hey, this doesn't sound like Acts. This doesn't sound like a whole bunch of different stories and stuff. Hey, this doesn't sound like the wisdom literature, where it's more figurative language. No, it sounds like direct teaching because that's how you write a letter, right? And then the last one is Revelation, okay? So in Revelation, that's the prophet prophetic book. Hey, here is what's happening now, and here is what's going to happen in the future. So he deals with the churches, the first couple of uh, chapters, he deals with the church in Ephesus. Hey, he deals with the church in Laodicea, right? 
And then the second half of the book, he says, now here's what's going to happen in the future, right? Just like the prophets of old. So hopefully you're able to understand the structure. Um, I've been able to, I've tried to walk you through the structure of the Bible. So point one, the Bible is a story, right? Look at how God is engaging with people throughout this story. We see how he engaged with Adam, the nation of Israel, and then how he engages with the church. So you look for what God is doing. Secondly, the structure, the old covenant and the new covenant. And there are certain genres within the covenants, within the books. So you get to see, okay, I can expect to see an opening instruction and then a close because I'm reading an epistle. I'm reading a letter. Got it. Because you don't read a letter the same way you read constitution, right? And then um, next, I want to close with the strength of God's word. So there's a story, the structure, and now the strength of God's word. These are, the Bible is authoritative, okay? The Bible claims the authority of God. And uh, actually, in Hebrews 1 and 2, it shows us how God's authority is claimed over both sections of it, right? So in Hebrews 1 and 2, it says, in the past... Um, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, right? So God spoke through the prophets, through the um, through Moses, through Joshua, and through the other prophets, those that spoke on God's behalf. He says, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So Hebrews 1 and 2 tells us God's word covers the Old Testament and the words of Jesus. The things in the Old Testament and the things in the New Testament are and have the authority of the word of God. Now, a lot of times people question the accuracy of God's word. Can we trust the Bible that we have today? Um, and I want to give a little bit of understanding on why you should be able to you should feel like you can trust the Bible that you have today. Um, there's kind of two ways that um, biblical scholars and just historical scholars can show the accuracy of a text, of an ancient text, right? Uh, one is the number of copies um, that you, so you can contrast, so they can compare and contrast to show the accuracy. Now consider this. For some of the writings of Plato, now we believe Plato was a historical figure. For some of the writings of Plato, we only have like seven copies, right? There's only seven copies of what Plato said, and very few people will doubt, okay, this is what Plato said, based on those seven copies. Homer, the, the poem, the Iliad, has 643 portions and copies, right? So many people believe that the Iliad written by Homer years and years and years ago because, oh, this must be an accurate rendering because there are 643 parts of copies or full copies and pieces of copies, right? Now, let me tell you this. The New Testament. So in the Bible, we have over 5,366 portions or complete copies of the scripture, okay? 
over 5,000 pieces and copies and, and full renderings of the scripture, right? Between that 5,000. So you can be sure that, now this is just the, um, of the Greek and Hebrew text. If you look at the Latin, you know, in different ones, there's tens of thousands of copies. My point is you can be sure that God's word has been preserved for this generation, right? There are thousands of copies of the Greek text that they can compare and see, okay, all right. So they can compare any any variants or different things and say, you know what? We have the uh, preserved word of God so you can trust it, right? So the number of copies is one way to help you believe in the accuracy of the Bible that we have today. There's over 5,000 copies and such. The other thing that people test or you have to, that that's used to show the accuracy is what is the, what is the time difference, the length of time between the originals and the time the copies started circulating, right? So um, again, with Plato, there was an estimate, there's an estimated 1300 years between um, his death and the manuscripts that were being copied, right? So about 1300 years uh, between um, when he actually said it and when copies started going around, right? Well, in the New Testament, um, so for Homer and the Iliad, there was 400 years between the time he died and by the time copies had been made and started being circulated. 400 years, right? With the New Testament, in less than 100 years, okay? Um, Jesus died and within 50 years or so, copies had began to be circulated about the words of Christ, Okay about the New Testament text. So this is the shortest amount of time between when it was said and when the copies began to um, began to be dispersed, meaning within the same generation, okay? The, pe the same people that heard God say it, heard Jesus speak, were the same ones that started writing what he said, okay? So we can have complete assurance. We can stand on the strength of God's word. So to recap today, the story, the Bible is the story of God. As you're going through your reading, read and look for how God is interacting with the world, with mankind, and as he's fulfilling his promises. Number two, the strength, I mean, the structure of the Bible. The Bible has 66 smaller books in the Bible with a various different genres. So in poetic books or in the wisdom books, expect to read poetry. In the law, expect it to read more legal. In the historical book, expect to see story and plot and an antagonist and a protagonist, right? This is where we get the stories of scripture. In the letters or the epistles, expect it to be more direct communication because you're writing a letter um, to a church, right? And then the prophecy books, expect there to be some 
um, telling what God is saying right now in the situation and telling what God is going to do in the future, right? That's the structure of the Bible. And then the strength of the Bible. The Bible has been the best-selling book for, oh, it, it currently is the best-selling book of all time. God has preserved his word through the various copies and through the various preserved copies. And those who heard God's word, the Bible says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So God has preserved his scripture so we can read it knowing that this is what God has spoken to us. Okay. We can believe that the translations are based on on orig on um, accurate copies of God's word. Okay, so with that said, what's your reading plan? Are you reading through the Bible chronologically? Are you reading through the Bible? You know, starting at Genesis. Are you reading to the Bible? If you're new to the Bible, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest start reading, starting with the Gospels, right? Because then you can kind of see the new covenant, the new Testament of what God is saying. And then later you can go back and read the Old Testament to understand the prequel to the New Testament, okay? Um, but that is the Bible in real life. I'm encouraged. I hope you get into the word this year. You understand a little bit about the books that you're reading. So you understand the genre. And I pray that God speaks to you and shows you himself in his accurately preserved and revealed word, the Holy Bible. All right. Love you guys. Love you guys. Uh, this is Lee Fuller. Uh, this is Bible in Real Life. And I want to thank you for joining me. And I'll see you next time. All right. Bye bye, everybody.